0: Welcome to the Take 92 Podcast. My name is Sammy Warmhands. I am your host. And today I've got a special kind of episode, two different interviews, two different guests. We're going to talk with Cass One from Indiana about his Strange Famous Records debut with his group Cast One vs. Figure. But first, we're going to sit down and talk to Blueprint from Rhymesayers Soul Position, about his new documentary film, King No Crown blueprint rhyme sayer weightless artist host of super duty tough work how's it going
1: great man <laughs>
0: how are you it's a lot of qual- it's a lot of qualifiers for yeah that. yeah
1: i do many things i do many different yeah. things
0: well you were you were just making a post the other day with this big announcement you said rapper producer and now director and i was like well author too you got a lot of
1: books yeah, yeah, I forgot it when I posted it and then you said I was like, yeah, let me go back and edit that Facebook post. I went back and edited it and put author in there. Nice. <laughs> nice.
0: Yeah, uh I I hadn't really thought about it but um in, in a while, but y- yeah, you were definitely one of the inspirations for me actually thinking that I I could write a book and that there was a little bit of precedent for that because it was something I've always wanted to do and something I'm really interested in reading, but uh, it had never crossed my mind to try it until I had read a couple of yours, and and after a while I was like, wait a second, maybe I'd give it a shot, you know? Yeah, yeah, Definitely. But But um, we're here to talk about the film, uh King No Crown, named after the record, named after the tour. Yep. Well branded. I guess I wanted to start with your origins in video, because I remember reading about this process on your blog a few years back. And you had recommended uh, a book to me to check out. It was called uh, Video That Doesn't Suck. I yeah, believe. How to Shoot Video That Doesn't Suck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. And there was a lot of gold in that, a lot of good stuff that I ended up using because it wasn't about, like, the technical stuff. It was just about, like, how to physically do it. And um, I remember... Just being really interested in your in your projects and watching you continue to to grow in this other medium. So what was
1: what was the thing that first drew you to to making videos on your own? Um, I think I started messing with video when I got sober, the more so photography. Um, You know, when I was drinking, I was one of the first things I realized when I got sober was that, like, I had done all this cool stuff, but I didn't take any I didn't have any record of it. And I've been all these places and seen all these things and I have any video or photo. And I was like, yo, what's the point of living a cool life if you can't remember it and it's not documented? Yeah. And and so I got sore. I was like, you know what? Photography. I need something to keep me out of the bar. So uh, I started kind of looking, started reading books on photography, a little bit on video. I come across that book I told you about, How to Shoot Video That Doesn't Suck. And uh, I was like, this seems pretty cool. And I had always kind of, you know, as artists, we always deal with our music videos. And I had other friends who were more serious about video than me. And they were like trying to make movies and independent film and and working on, you know, a cameraman for for television stations and things of that nature. So I felt I was kind of surrounded by it. So I was like, well, you know what? I'm just going to start reading. And if an area jumps out to me, then I'll continue reading it. I'll, I'll pick up one book. And if I like that book, then I'll read another book. And if I don't like that, then I'll just move on to something else. So when I started reading, this was probably around 2010, I picked up a book on just like documentary filmmaking. And that was one of the first ones I picked up. And then I ended up picking up another book on lighting. And I liked it, too. And I was like, oh, this makes sense. you know. And then I picked up another book on just like cinematography and things, you know, introductory books. But if you've never read about it before, it's kind of it's it's deep. You see how deep the rabbit hole is, you know, and uh, right around 2011, after I'd read two or three books, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get a cheap camera and get on my photography mission. And then I think while I was on tour, I know I was on tour with Atmosphere promoting like the um, Adventures in Counterculture record. And that's when I, I bought a used T2Y camera in Austin, Texas. i never forget that. It was like the morning after the show, I met some dude in the lobby of the hotel and bought a camera off of him and a lens off of him. And it was like 400 bucks. And that just is what kind of got me started. I was just like, okay, now I'm I'm amped, you know, to, to, to take photos. So I just, I took a lot of pictures on that tour, but I didn't do a lot of video. Then as I got home, I started like really getting ambitious about video, you know, cause before I was using, i borrowed a friend's camera it was just like a regular standard video camera. It was a little nicer, but it wasn't like a, a DSLR. And so, I was messing with that, and I was like, okay, now that I've read more, I think I I need to get a, a legit camera now. And so, once I got that camera, I started looking around like, how can I challenge myself? And that that's when I I, saw, I had a buddy, and he was like, yeah, I see you mess with the camera now. I was like, yeah, man, I'm gonna do a music video for you one day. And he was like. Let's do it. Nice. And that was my guy, Lattimore Platts. I did a v- music video for him called Tin Stone, and that was probably, I, I think I might have done that with the old camera. And then when I got the DSLR, I just kept shooting and trying to think of of stuff to challenge myself with. So so that that was my entry. It was more just to kind of have a hobby that wasn't music. At the beginning, it, I, I wasn't really thinking about it professionally. I was like, you know what? I need something that's as challenging as music is technically but something that i can escape from music to do
0: yeah and it's also like you were saying your motivation to start messing with it is very literal i guess where you're going you know a lot of this stuff is a blur like i kind of want to i kind of want to remember this you know and, and clean up a little bit be in the moment and you're like all right but i'm also just gonna document it yeah so you take it all the way there um which is an interesting idea. I'm I'm curious as to, aside from just the, the reading and, and experimenting, like who are your influences? I mean, what what films inspired you to plant that seed? You know, and think like, wow, I I really like to to learn more about that.
1: Uh, I don't I don't know if it was a specific film. I I do know that from like. And I'd never thought about it that much. But from like 2006 to 2010, I had like a uh, I definitely had like a television, like right next to where I would make beats at. And I watched an insane amount of documentaries during that five, six year period. But I don't know that I really thought I could do it until maybe my friends who were professional started telling me about DSLR cameras And I I started seeing, like, wow, you can get that quality of image from something so small. And to me, it was just kind of revolutionary. And, you know, and they were, this is 2010, 2011. If you had a DSLR then, you were the man, you know. It wasn't, you know, it was like, oh, snap, he's got a 5D, you know. In 2010, that 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 was next level. And now it's like, it's a little more common. You know, people have them even who aren't doing professional super pro work. You know, they're considered, I guess, prosumer to some people, but it's still a pro camera if you know your stuff. So I think it, it was it was hanging out with my friends and seeing I had friends who were starting to make movies. You know, there's mm-hmm. a there's a group of guys I work with. Uh, they used to call themselves heiress Productions. They did like uh, I did a Radiohead cover uh, yeah. like video. They did that video for me. They did um, the B-Boy video for me. And they did like my, uh, the, the, we taken it video for me. And mm-hmm. during that whole time they were doing those videos for me, they, they would have like short, uh, film projects and I would, you know, lend music to them to do that. Or I would be, I acted in one of their movies that hasn't come out yet, you know? Um, nice. And this was just stuff I would do. I would always work with them and we worked together and I was just like, you know, if they needed music all, any music they needed from me, I'd give to them anything they need, need from me, you know, and vice versa. And so uh, seeing those guys and seeing how they worked as a team, that inspired me because that I had dealt with people who worked by themselves with a camera. But I had never seen four or five guys, six, seven guys come together on one accord and just execute. And, And when I saw them, I was like, yo, this can really be done. And these guys are all super talented and they can make films and they're all or some are some are specialists, some are, you know, one is just like the general director guy. The other is like the CGI guy. One is the special effects guy. One is just like the cinematography, technical nerd of the group. You know, it's like they had all of these, one is like the script writer of the crew. So they had like these guys and I, I saw that and that inspired me, like because they were just like my dudes like these are regular dudes, but they're like film heads. And so I thought like man, as long as I don't stuck, suck, yeah, I should try this cuz I don't want them to I don't want anybody to like my stuff just cuz I'm me. Yeah. I need to be as technically sound as the people that I'm hanging out with at least strive for that.
0: I think there's really something to be said about working with a good collaborator when you are going to pursue something down the road even if you don't know it yet. Um, you know, whether that's being in the recording studio and and just observing and listening and watching or you know having someone else direct your music videos and and you know that's that's definitely for guys like you and me the path to becoming self sufficient is watching these these people and and you know usually you have some idea already of what you want yeah and You bring it to them, and they're going to help you get that thing out of your head and onto the screen. And I think going through that process a little bit can be really really eye-opening in how things are done. And to a certain extent, it can be negative. Like for me, now I can't watch a show or a movie without being aware of like, oh, that was a good edit, or like, ooh, that was questionable. Like, you know, I'm always hyper aware of those little things after trying to do it myself, you know? Oh, yeah. Like sampling in a way that it it will change the way that you
1: consume that media. Totally, totally. And, and, you know, like you're saying, we went through years where we were all writing our video treatments for our songs. So we knew at a high level how this thing worked, even if we didn't understand the details. And I think that that process kind of lends itself to eventually dabbling in it yourself where you're like, look, I have these ideas. I see how the video should be laid out, how it should look enough to articulate yeah. it to someone who technically can execute it. And then eventually you start learning yourself. And I think it, it at that point, it kind of becomes like a natural thing. So tell me what the
0: genesis was with this project. I mean, did you have an idea when you started making the record or is this something that was conceived later on? It was conceived later
1: on. Um, okay. I didn't technically, well, what's weird about this is that this film is not the first film I tried to make. It's actually the second one. The first one I tried to make, I'm not going to say it totally failed, but I just got, I got so far ahead of my knowledge at the time that I couldn't bring it together story-wise. It was yeah. a documentary as well. And I'm, now that I've finished this one, I'm going to revisit it. But I started that one, I want to say, around 2013, 2012. And I was like, I'm going to do this. And uh, I just started. What was the subject? It was going to be called The the Vinyl Frontier. It was about um, technology's effect on people who collect vinyl or use okay. records every day. And so, you know, I, I, 15, 20 interviews into it. And then, but my, my questions weren't all, they weren't designed efficiently enough to take me where the thing needed to go. Yeah. And so I was creating this mess. And so I started backing away like, okay, let me see where this is going wrong. I started seeing I was having scope problems. And uh, so I was like, let me just chill out on this. And then I had other ideas. And I was like, okay, well, let me, what can I execute, you know, so that I can go through every step of this process as a filmmaker and really learn and and not have the same thing happen. And so after I'd finished the King No Crown record, I didn't have the idea to do this until maybe the beginning of 2015. The King No Crown record came out in April of 2015, I think. And so yep. beginning of 2015, I had realized that okay, well, if I messed up last time because I, I was my interviewing wasn't creating what I wanted to create, then Maybe I should start with the interviewing, pay more attention to it and start there. And if that comes out great, then I'll move forward to the next stage. And so I'd written up a bunch of interview questions and, and topics that about things that people have asked me about before. And then I, I invited one of my friends over to interview me. And then he mm-hmm. came over and we did maybe two or three sessions of like 30, 45 minutes, probably about two three hours of interviews total. And, um, when I went back and listened and had them transcribed something else that I wasn't doing back three years ago, I wasn't transcribing interviews. I was just going to freestyle and edit and which was a nightmare, you know? Um, Interesting. I'd never even occurred to me that people do that. Cause I, I always
0: just do it on the screen. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and that works huh. for a smaller project, but yeah. it doesn't work when you have 20 interviews that are an hour to two hours each then you you have to actually have a system that allows you to, to get what you want out of those interviews and know exactly what you have at all times. Yeah. Like you have to know before you sit down at that computer, you got to, got to know where it's going. And that's what I got tripped up on the first time. So this time I was like, okay, I'm going to try this again with this and see if I can come up with a few scenes that are good enough to justify pushing through with it. And I did the interviews, and I was like, yo, this is going to work. And I had mocked up a couple scenes, and uh, it was right as I had all this stuff going on with the record. And at that point, after I'd done interviews, I said, okay, well, let me just get my guy. Uh, I've got a guy, my friend named Mario. He does camera work professionally, but he does a lot of music videos. And uh, he and I started getting interested in video at the same time. But he's gotten really good. And so he's got so good where it's like, I'm just going to hire you. Yeah. to confi- follow me around. But but the, the beauty of him getting good is that because he got good, he allowed me to execute my idea. Like without him, I don't think I would have been able to execute it as well. Yeah, You know, it's like he knows enough about me, about what I'm doing. He could work around my schedule and be where I needed him to be. And um, that kind of, so he was the missing piece. But having something that I thought I could execute, is what really, really made me try it again, you know? I think that's something that a lot of us
0: DIY people can really benefit from is knowing our our limits, you know, and knowing when we have an idea that might be compromised a little bit if we try to take on every last detail ourselves, you know, carefully choosing the right person to work on this, Song or on this video or this artwork or what have you, I think that can be really important to separate yourself from it a little bit.
1: Totally, totally. And and i and and you know how we are, we do so much ourselves, we get overconfident, we start yeah. thinking that oh well, just because I've did all these projects prior to this, this will be no problem. But to me, yeah, that attitude was the completely wrong attitude to take into a different realm. Like, no, this is film. This is not a rap album. This is, there are a lot of technical things that have to happen. And if they don't happen, you're gonna, everything you shoot is gonna look like bullshit. And just as simple as like white balancing your camera. Things that when I first started shooting, I would just turn on a camera and start shooting. (laughs) And then eventually you build up the muscle memory where you're like, okay, turn on camera, check light, white balance camera. You know, you're building up your, 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 vocabulary almost and and your muscle memory with that and so like it took me years to get that to where like now it's it's instinct i don't i don't shoot and like not forget those things as much i still make mistakes there's still mistakes in anything you do but they're much more manageable than they used to be but i think a lot of that is going through this process has definitely humbled me and made me appreciate it completely uh in a different way than i did before
0: yeah, I think it, it is a different animal going from making songs to making records to making music videos to making a feature-length film, you know, that is, is quite an arc and there is quite a learning curve. You know, last year, I started doing the same kind of thing that you said about your project that never was completed, you know, and that I had made a couple of short documentaries, one about the illusionists and one about a band that I was in prior to that. And I thought, these little 20-minute things you know, the interviews don't always look great, but the content is good and and the edits are good, you know, live footage and whatever we had. And, you know, I I think there's something here. I was like, I want to make something real and tackle this big subject. I was like, I'm going to make a documentary film. And so I interviewed all these people. Like you said, it's just hours and hours and hours. And I edited everything and was like, all right, cool. So I'm going to get all these talking points in line exactly how I want it. And then I figured like after that I would make the stuff that like you know, some documentaries will have animation or they'll have like a separate narrative conversation where the person is walking through this neighborhood telling you about it or something before yeah. you go back to the interviews, you know. I was like, yeah, and I'll just I'll do that stuff after the fact. <laughs> and I I wound up with a ninety minute edit of these interviews and like no B roll and and, and and nothing to keep you hooked in exactly and um and I was all like you know like you said overconfident with that. I was like posting about like yeah I've got you know I had a hashtag for the movie yeah. title and and I would be posting behind the scenes pictures and then like you know three months later it's just radio silence because I'm like fuck I can't there's no way I was gonna be able to pull this off in like three months before I go back into a tour schedule like. Yeah, that was overly ambitious. So it's definitely a different animal. I could sympathize.
1: Yeah. Well, that's why I didn't but, tell anyone at first. Like, so yeah, I could have, an- I could have announced <laughs> it a year ago, two years ago, but I, yeah. I didn't because I had already had that first experience, like yours, where I was like, mm. "Wow, I don't want that to happen in public at this time." So <laughs> let me just yeah. be quiet until this thing is like right at the finish line. Then I'll announce I'm working on it. You know.
0: So the actual storyline of the film, you did a book on the making of Adventures in Counterculture. Yeah. Um, I mean does it take you through the songs like that project kind
1: of did or does it follow the tour or everything? Really what it follows is like is the, is the year that that record came out. So it follows okay. like me preparing for the record to come out to us going on the road and just like certain events that are highlighted within that experience. But then because I didn't want it to be all about uh, that album, although that album is what's going on. I wanted it to also be about like this theme of like, you know, the album title with the King No Crown and like have certain topics being discussed on here that maybe I hadn't discussed, you know, before, like, you know, like what is success? Like what is is this good enough? Like, is what we're doing making a difference? Like what, what goes on when we actually disappear and we're making music. So there's stuff like I've never done any production videos or anything like that prior to this film. And in this film is where I think people will see a lot of like hands on things that I'm doing that aren't there uh, that aren't there now in the the public. But uh, it's, it's, it covers that year of the record coming out. And then it just covers like, themes that are happening within that artistic themes, personal themes.
0: Yeah. I think it's an interesting one to choose because in a way it's an album that wraps up a couple different directions that you had gone. Yeah. You know, you have the more experimental stuff you were doing with greenhouse and adventures of counterculture at that time live instrumentation and synths and stuff like that and then you have the complete return to the old school with respect the name respect the architect so i was listening to carnage today yeah and <laughs> uh, so one. yeah <laughs> respect the architect <laughs> and uh fucking uh can't believe i did that um and king no crown seemed like a a very complete one of those albums that kind of touches on every aspect of what you do in a way yep so I think creatively, it's an interesting one to focus on. And also, as we talked about when you were on that tour, um, I was on the Oregon shows, and I remember talking about how, you know, just kind of as a business model, it's awesome to go out and do the big Rhyme series tours, but there's really something about going and doing it hand-to-hand, face-to-face, 100% DIY, and how, in a way, you actually got more out of that i remember that conversation because you know somebody like me i am doing those things but i'm not gonna lie and say like i don't have it in the back of my head that like well maybe someday i can get some you know some help out with this shit you know and you're a guy who's gone through and done it both ways and are back to diy for the last few years you know and so i I thought that that was a really interesting perspective and uh, so to be focusing on that time I think would be really interesting yeah
1: and and to me it's like I didn't want to make the mistake that I made with the other project of like okay let me make this wide ranging thing that takes me four years to make about this topic because we are artists and and because we're artists you know there has to be a certain timeliness to anything we put out you know And, and so to me it was like okay well how do I do something ambitious as far as like the video stuff, but also talk about this theme that this record is talking about, you know, and, uh, doing the movie kind of allowed me to do that, even though, you know, I mean, obviously I would have wanted it to come out the same year that the record came out, but I also think that it doesn't, but that's part of why I tried not to make it totally about the record because if I would have tied it totally to the record, then people say, oh, well, this record's been out, so we don't care it about it. It dates it a little bit. Yeah, it dates yeah. it. So you can't just say, "Oh," because then it would just be a making of the record, and I didn't want to go that route. I wanted to make a, a movie with the theme of the record.
0: So what's your plan for release on this? I mean, are you, are you going to do something like we did with The World Has No Idea, where you're actually taking it to shows and theaters and that stuff, or is it going to be... Uh, a waitlist release on DVD or digital on demand or what's your plan?
1: Well, I I know the end game is going to, should hopefully, I mean, it will definitely be people being able to get it from me. Like they do normal stuff. Like you're saying, direct to consumer like we've been doing where you can go to waitlist.net and get it. Um, I know there will be a, um, at the end, there's going to be a deluxe version of the DVD that'll have a bunch of extra stuff on there. We'll do video on demand. Now, everything in between there, whether that's the festival circuit, whether that's the screenings around the country, that's something that I'm I'm trying to figure out now what the best way is to handle. You know, Um, I do plan on the first step is maybe having some sort of screening here in Columbus soon. And um, Mm -hmm. I think that will be kind of my first step towards kind of seeing where it's at, getting some eyes on it and kind of seeing what's there. You know, it's 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 something that I've been sitting on. Working on for so long that I kind of want to make sure that from this point forward, the people are involved. And when I went into the project project and I remember talking to it, talking about it with uh, Sadiq from Rhyme like a year or two ago. And I told him, I said, Sadiq, you know, I think he said, so what are you going to do with your film? I said, you know, I, I, I said at this point, I honestly think that I should just when I finish it, I might just put it on YouTube for everyone to just to watch, yeah. and not even trip about the money or anything, un- unless it's like like you're like you're saying, like selling it directly to people, S- selling like a you know a tiered kind of like like Louis CK does. Yeah, you know, it pretty, b- buy it on my website. Exactly. Just do it like that. But outside of that, I will probably make a YouTube version of the film. Yeah, and put it on it. Just as you know, it's like. It's a concept I picked up just from from studying like how television, you know, television is free, but television is not free. It's paid for by advertisers. Right. Like, yeah. And so so my thought for the film was that any film that I have on YouTube, you can create a a, a version of it that just has commercials for your album, your tour, whatever it is that you're doing. And you can format it the same way any movie that comes on television is formatted. And in doing so, it's free, but it's not free because it actually pushes and promotes your catalog or whatever it is that you think you should prioritize at that time. But to me, I've thought about that. And I remember telling Sadiq about that. He's like he said, look, he said, if if you think this is going to be the only film you do, then you probably don't want to do it that way. You want to focus on one." he said. But if you know that this is just the first among many, then. and and your main goal is to establish yourself as a filmmaker, he said, and there's nothing wrong with doing it that way. And so my goal in this, number one, is to to get to where I'm legitimized as a filmmaker. You know, there are many people who make films, but not many people, either their film is like, oh yeah, it's showing at all these festivals and no one can see it. Or it's like, you know, it's behind this paywall and, and, for your first film my question is do i really want that for my first film at this point if i know that i plan on doing more so my goal is just have this thing be seen by as many people as possible when that happens i don't know but when it does it'll definitely be pretty widespread and i I plan on using you know youtube to the fullest ability doing the you know the louis ck get it straight from my site watch it right there directly as well and it and and Some people may not get it now, but I think when they look at the next two to three years, if I can finish the projects that I have that I want to do after this, it'll make complete sense why I did this one the way I did it. Is there
0: any plan for a a trailer or any kind of uh,
1: teaser coming for the fans? For sure. sure. I mean, there's going to be little things that I I start releasing very soon. The trailer will probably be first, and I think I'm going to try to get Mm -hmm. that out maybe next week. I have one done already. Um, okay. But I want to take I, I did like two versions of it, but I think I can do it better. And so I'm going to yeah. so I've been studying for the last week or so and I and just writing notes and I think I'm going to try to execute something a better and take another stab at it. I had someone else actually offer to to do a trailer for me for free. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, which is dope, you know, cuz like it's one of those things where sometimes you don't know how to do everything, but when you put the energy out there, People who have expertise in these things kind of let you know, like, hey, I want to help you with this. And they start reaching yeah. out to help. And that's like the beautiful thing that I didn't count on. It's it's kind of like it happens in music, but I didn't expect it in this realm. But people are like, hey, you're making the first step. This is a big step. If you need X, Y and Z from me. Let me know. And so I plan on taking advantage of all of that, you know, with the trail awesome. with the trailer thing. I told the guy who offered, I said, hey, you know, I want to take another stab at this because I think it's an important part of this journey. If I can't do it to my own liking, I'll definitely let you take a shot at it. But there's certain things I want to learn how to do myself so that next time I go through this process, I understand like, hey, maybe I don't want to spend a week doing it. Maybe I don't want to spend two weeks like you don't know until you're in it. And then, you know, if I look back and I say, yeah, it took me a month to do a trailer I was happy with. And if someone who could do it in a day offers me next time, I might be like, yeah, dude, please do that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe it took you a month because that was new to your skill set, you know, and now you know what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it's worth it. Yeah. You
1: never know. I mean, I plan on doing that. I have uh, so many scenes that um, I'm going to start releasing. So I'm going to... The purpose of me last week was just announcing to let people know, like, okay, cool. Be on the lookout for this. So now when I I can start discussing it on a podcast, which I couldn't do before because I didn't want people to be, you know, hey, what's up with this? And then I wasn't sure if it was going to get done. So now, like, I have the freedom to discuss it, to release scenes, to talk about it, you know, to release, like, interviews with the people who helped me with it, things of that nature. So I'm going to start slowly rolling that out every week. At this point, you do have a final cut. Is it finished? I've got a cut that's like, I've got a final edit. Now, what I'm working on now is audio. And so, Mm. I think my edit is nice. There's going to be certain bells and whistles I add, like, maybe an animation or two to it. Some illustrations. Um, I don't know about it, but definitely, like, illustrations. And and then audio. Those are the two main things that I'm looking at now. And then there's one slight scene I might add, but as of right now it's at about an hour 10 minutes and i think it's strong mm-hmm. you know like i've taken away some scenes that were in the earlier drafts of it and i added some scenes and uh i feel strong about where it is now you know and it's it's my first film but i feel like it's solid and i showed it to my guy who does uh who who shot a bunch of it but didn't even see any of it after he shot it and he came through the other day and i was showing him some scenes and he was like this shit looks fucking pro Granted, he's a pro because he shot it, but I edited all of it and and assembled all of it. And uh, he feels good about it, which makes me feel good about it because I don't want to do somebody's footage like that. So like now it's just about fine tuning it, you know, like the post-production side of it is where I'm at right now. You know, artwork, figuring out exactly what's going to be on 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 the, the DVD version. This is all stuff I hope to have knocked out within the next week or so and then, you know, a yeah. or So, and then from there, you know, I may, you know, people are sending me information about like local film festivals. I'll oh, print, you should put your thing in there and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know if I'm going to try that, but I may, it depends.
0: Yeah. That might take the next year of your life for it. That's what I don't want. If you're
1: doing the circuit. Yeah. And that's, I had a talk with a uh, Brandon who did the world has no idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they screened it here Saturday and I was talking yeah. to him about that and I said, he was like, yeah, you want if you want to do the festival route, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, honestly, man, I don't know if that's the best move for me time-wise. Like, because you're you're at the mercy of all these festivals. You have restrictions that stop you from doing certain types of screenings. And then you don't even know if you're going to get in or it's going to really, really – I mean, it looks good in the eyes of distributors. But yeah. for me, I'm like, well, should I just – is the strongest move for me to get in front of as many people as possible and to my fans. If I do that, then that's success to me. Should I try to do the festival thing and chase that thing around? It's almost like chasing album reviews. Yep. Doing this long enough, I'm like, fuck a publicist, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Like, If fools want to write about this record, they're going to write about it. If not, fuck it. I'll take it to the people. And that kind of uh, ideology is what I'm starting to see with the film. I I I don't know if it's good or bad. This is a whole different realm but I don't plan on it being a year before it comes out. I, I, I think I would like it out before like at the summer at the latest. Nice. You know because fall we're trying to do Soul Position and if we're trying to do then I, yeah. I need it out before that whole thing you know and that's when I plan on touring again so we'll see. Well before we wrap on
0: the film, I wanted to ask, are we going to expect cameos from the guys you were out with at the time? Rare Groove and Superstition. They're both in the movie. a movie. Logic.
1: Yep, they're in the movie. Yeah. Yep, they're in it. Um, I'm trying to think of who else is in it. Are they the only rappers? I don't think Logic is in it. He's not in it. Nope. There's, yep. there's no Logic cameo in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Superstition is definitely in it. You know, Rare Groove definitely in it. Awesome. Those guys are
0: great. Last question has nothing to do with King No Crown. Mm-hmm. Vigilante Genesis. Yes, sir. Is there a sequel uh, in the works? Is that happening? I haven't
1: I haven't wrote anything, but I'd like to I mean, I already have it mapped okay. out if that you know, like I, I I, sat down and like last year I was studying a lot of uh, film techniques and, and story techniques so I had like four or five books made like a curriculum so I could understand story better and tension and conflict and like all these concepts mm. and that they use in screenwriting and at that time you know because I was like I want to really really freak this shit so I sat down and I mapped out like in my mind where the next two vigilante genes need to go Oh shit. so I was like okay now I know this is what we're going to pick up here I have two options of where I can kind of go with it to get to like part two and part three so I, you know, as long as I got that down, I feel more comfortable. I can, I can pretty much write it at any time. You know, but with that, nice. I, I just don't want that shit to be like I'm just freestyling where it goes. I want it to be really meticulous, like the first one. You set the bar high. <laughs> Thanks,
0: man. <laughs> Sweet man. Well, we'll look forward to King No Crown. I know a lot of us are really looking forward to that Soul Position comeback too. Yeah, so. man. It's getting mixed uh-huh. right now,
1: so. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's another thing I haven't been able to talk about because I'm like, let me make sure this thing is done. Because <laughs> I yeah. want people on my back. <laughs> I
0: saw you post that photo the other day and I was like, oh, shit, that's happening. All right. Yeah, yeah. Because you mentioned it here and there, but I was like, oh, no, it's real. It's real now.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once you start seeing your press photos, you're like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs>
0: yeah it's been a long time
1: yeah what, what was it almost years. 10 years more it's been 11 we 2006 was a uh, wow was things go better things go better yeah so we're at 11 years now i thought it was going to awesome. be last year but it just i went back and i was like you know i want to re-record some of these vocals and da 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 yeah and i got a new mic and i was like let me try this and man that shit added months to the to the project right there because you know once you start re-recording something and rewriting certain things and it just adds to it but I I, you know you wait 10 years between records you're like why should I rush now it's been 10 years I might as well be happy with everything I do on a record so uh, that that added time to it and you know obviously RJ's got his own thing too but you know I feel good about it I think it's gonna really I think it's gonna it's a concept record so I think it's gonna really do well
0: cool man well we're looking forward to it All right, that is our interview with Printmatic Print's a great dude always been a not only an influence but just a real help to me a resource to me as i've been making my way through this music scene the last several years great to have him on again and now we're going to go into the interview with cas one i met up with him on the four horsemen tour with b dolan dj abilities cas one and dope knife we're driving around the van here in between sets cas one welcome sammy Thank you. I, I always wanted to call you Kaz, but I heard you say it on stage tonight, and you pronounce it with the S. Kaz. Yeah. See, I was fucking like, up. extra, extra ass. Because I was only... Uh, we know each other on the internet, and that's it. So I, I fucked it up by uh, reading you, it. You did a good <laughs> job of
2: fucking it up, but people have done better. Yeah. Yeah, Cassone, sure. is, is is it often... Casoni. Casoni. They don't see the space... Yeah, well, there used to not be a space. It used
0: to be like capital O. Oh, yeah.
2: That messed me up.
0: Yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. (laughs) So this is the first time we've ever done the podcast in the van. Yeah. Well, I may have done it in the van, but never while moving. So um, this is an experience. What am I? I got to think of where I'm going here. I'm going to try to find you a little store. We're going to do kind of a shorter one today so you guys can do your your grand finale of the tour, but I wanted to talk about the new album. I guess I would trace this back to your signing with Sage. Is that fair to say? Absolutely, yeah. Tell me about that experience. I've
2: known Sage for a long time, um, longer than he's known me, but uh, I've always been an admirer and I've always sent him stuff, and... um, Initially, like I had sent him the Monster and the Wishing Well album, Uh and he was into it. But it was like right during the time uh, he was doing the No Bird Sing, and he he was just kind of spread thin. And he was like, "If you want to release it in this time, don't go with me." You and and at that time, like I had already, you know, I'd waited on that album for so long that I was like, "I can't, I can't wait anymore to to put it out." I started working on the album with Figure, and I sent him some stuff, and he's like, yes. Uh, like, immediately, I sent him, like, three songs, and he's like, the, we want to
0: put this out. Nice. And that was a really big moment for me. Yeah, I've noticed that uh, it really, it brought something out of you, his production. It, it You sounded, and I haven't heard the album yet, but when I heard the single, the lyric video you guys did, Oh yeah, uh, the, with, with the signing, it's called Murder Media. Yeah, that's a great song, great video. But uh, when I first heard it, I was like, "Man, he sounds hungry as fuck on this." It's a,
2: it's a really angry album. It's, really? Yeah. It's like the way that we describe it. It like starts on like a mountaintop of anger, and then it like ends in a lake where you drown yourself. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's it's pretty emotional. I went through. It, it, it was like a the, the hardest year of my life. Is is Finishing that up, so uh,
0: you can definitely hear that on there. What what was the time period in actually writing the songs? Well, it started out.
2: We we started it like a year and a half ago, and uh, like figure went through some really emotional shit, and like that was kind of his way out. And we kind of like paused on it because he was doing his own thing, and then I got a divorce. And like, I needed something, and he was there. Like, he was like, I have this. Let's, like, it's time for you to finish this record. So, what, when I really dug into it was like August of
0: 2016. And then we finished it in October 2016. So, you guys are both going through some real life shit and kind of came together to get that off your chest
2: yeah that i mean this was that like it sounds corny to say but this album saved my life like otherwise i would not have gotten up out of bed
0: i heard you say a line on stage about drowning was that was that like in reference to a real story yeah man like i i literally was um I
2: drove from a bridge to a psychiatrist office. Wow! Like I, it was uh, I was ready to to end it. With, which, like, if you know me, that's not not me. So yeah, it was a,
0: it was a really fucking heavy time. Now, and tell me if I'm diving too deep here, but um, you can't dive too deep. Okay, all right. <laughs> so you know you you mentioned seeking help. Yes. Now i i've I've been um, in the process of finding finding somewhere I can go and talk to people in the near future, and I was curious as to how that may have affected or not affected your creative process. Did you feel that that opened you up in different ways or or did it have a negligible effect on your writing? The reason I waited so long to like talk to a
2: psychiatrist is because I was like. I if I get medication, that's not going to let me be creative anymore. Yeah, that's uh, a real fear of mine as yeah. well. Yeah, so it didn't. Um, I I worked with a psychiatrist who is not like medicine hungry. Um, he prescribes doses and like like half pills or, or, or like even quarter pills, and then like also um, holistic. I say holistic medicine, but natural medicine, which. I Couldn't tell a difference in the way that I felt as a human being. I felt a a difference in the way that I acted as a human being so That was a humongous relief to me. It, It only made me like a better writer I feel like because I was able to like grab on to what I felt
0: and use it. That's good, man. That's good Do you feel like? There's a turning point in the song since some of it was before and some of it was after this period is there a certain song that when you when you wrote it you felt like okay now we're getting into the heart of this shit like
2: Yeah yeah there there's a song on there called uh, Never Stop Running when I wrote the first verse of that I was married and when I wrote the second verse of it I was divorced wow it, addre- it it like says I'm staring back at my wife while she tells me to dream in the first verse and in the second verse I talk about how I wanted like a bullet, a bullet, to coincide with with uh, divorce and disdain. So it's like even then I didn't stop running. So it was like the it was the theme of the song without even like it just happened to be.
1: Yeah.
0: So sometimes going through these these dramatic life changes, you know, whether it's it's breakups or, or grief or or anything like that, can make for the most profound change uh, or sometimes leap forward in music because you were able to, um, you know, like I just took a few years off of writing uh, solo Sammy Warm Hands material because I felt like, you know, I, I did a couple few albums and then I did a remix album and I was like, okay, I want to actually experience some life sure, before yeah. I go and sit down and, and do this kind of thing again because I, I don't want to repeat myself and unfortunately had a lot of people close to me pass away and things Ugh. like that happen over 2016 and, and that was a hell of a and year even recently and then that just seems like the last couple of weeks i've finally started writing again and it's been like a necessity you know yeah absolutely it's yeah. like you you know we can always do it you can always turn it on and go yeah okay sure let's you know, let's write some. I feel like, I feel like doing it. It's fun to do, but um, sometimes going through some gnarly shit will make you have to, and those can be the best songs, is the ones and that you, discover, you have to vent. Yeah, you and discover yeah. like feelings that you didn't know that you had,
2: and it, it was really important for me to like on this record. I I didn't want to ask questions on it. Like I didn't yeah. I didn't want to have like okay, all my all of my previous stuff is more like why why this why but this is just like this is how it is this is why it is so i wanted like answers on this album instead of questions so it was like i i went into it like i'm not going to ask questions on it you you know what i'm saying there like i i wanted it to be like this is the why, reason it is this way yeah so i, I guess there's a lot of anger and truth
0: yeah sometimes there is should we uh so you can yeah, roll can out and get them. your thing here? Yeah. When I was walking out of the convenience store, I was
2: walking around the corner, and uh, it was like a mom. She farted on, on me. She didn't, like, put her ass on me and fart. She, like, farted while walking. Real close. Know. Yeah, I don't think she saw me. Nice. That was, like, the hottest thing that's happened to me this <laughs> time. <store. laughs>
0: out on the road getting yeah, some that's action. Right. Getting that action, bro. Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to make the drive back to the venue. I wanted to ask about... The reason that I first knew who you were was because you were on that Save Yourself track, and and you toured with uh, Idea and Kristoff and and Sadistic, Sadistic, right? And 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 Bodie Bodie on that one? Yeah, Bodie was there. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask about what your time with Idea was like. I've got to talk to a lot of people about him and... uh, and he's i it's, mean to here's another example of someone i met just from seeing him share a thing you know so
2: <laughs> yeah man like that that was the magic of Mikey dude he just like brought people together and that i've i've heard people say that before but it's true you you still get glimpses of him at every single show um but yeah man like mike he he could talk for 30 minutes and you would feel like you were talking during that time frame yeah. You know what I mean? Like he was so engaging to where and he always said like such profound shit. You're just like, this is your normal fucking life and you and you talk this way like all constantly. And uh he was just a really thoughtful dude. How, how did you guys connect? Uh, we connected on that tour. I mean, I, I had known of ID. The first time I met ID, it was a dick to me. <laughs> really? It was at Scribble Jam. I've never heard that story before.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, I mean, and I get it. Like, I talked to him about it. And, um, I mean, I get it, too, because maybe I've been a dick without knowing that I was being a dick to somebody. I've been accused of that. Like, if, if I have something to do, I, I want to get that thing done before I talk to anyone. Yeah. And, you know, just some kid, like, coming up to you, like, your fucking album changed my life. It's like, he's like, yeah, hey, thank you. I, I'm, I'm out the way. He, like, sucked his tooth at me. I, Carnage. <laughs> Carnage introduced me to him. And uh-huh. he was just like, like, idea, like, played me off to the left. Oh, man. So it's I brought that up. a bad up. moment. I dude I I didn't let him I didn't let him go uh unscathed for that.
0: <laughs> I brought that up. What was your uh did you have any takeaway from that trip in, in spending time with him?
2: True story, Kristoff and Sadistic were asleep and it, we were driving through this area. Where I had never seen like forest fires before, uh-huh. and, it, and there were forest fires everywhere, so it was Bodie and I and Mike awake, and somehow we like got on the topic of of death. This is like a what two months, two three months before he passed, and um we got on the topic of, of death, and I was like, "Are you?" At this time, this was like the height of my anxiety. Like I, it, it was out of control, so. I wanted to talk about that. And he was like, I'm, I'm not afraid of death at all. He's like, I've been like bored with life since I was a kid. And then in that song and save yourself, he says it, it like a lot of the conversation that we had to Phoenix was in that song. Yeah. So, I mean, there was always like a, an underlying, like, I know that he wasn't scared to die. Yeah. So that I, that's all I could take away from
0: that. It's a small comfort, I suppose. For sure. And now it's come full circle and you're out here with abilities. Yeah, on man. On the road with him and B. Dolan. Dope knife. Um, it's, it's been a lot of fun, too. You just kicked off, is it yesterday or the day before? Yeah, yesterday. We were in Seattle yesterday,
2: Eugene tonight. Did you play Nectar? Nectar. How was it? It was good. Um, I like that place. Seattle's a a real cool kid place. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it was fun. Like, uh, I I feel like I've made friends at that show.
0: When so. when's the last time you were out on the West Coast? Because I feel it, like... It was that Save Yourself Tour. Okay. Because I was going to say, like, we've been acquaintances at least for years now. And I've never seen you booked out here. And I've never come quite as far I, as... You're from I, Indiana, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've never come out that far myself. Well, we got to so. get you out there, man. Uh, I just... Well, by the time this comes out, I could say it, but... Uh, I signed with DTR for my booking, oh. and they're based out of Buffalo. So I might actually be able to get some Link some East Coast contacts that Word. I never had. Very um, dope, man. and actually get out there. So maybe maybe we team up on Absolutely. some shit. That would be fun. Absolutely, yes, yeah. it would. Yes, it would. We can do that. Now that I force that no, into it's your in lap there. while
2: we're <laughs> recording, <laughs> you're like, yeah,
0: of course, man. That <laughs> no, sounds great. i want to be real, real polite
2: about it. <laughs> you, you, you've always been dope to me. I don't I don't talk to people I don't think are dope.
0: Well, I'm I'm glad. I uh, I feel the same. I try to have guests that I I want to hear their stories. You know, I want to know more about. Uh, this was a, a a brief one. We gotta gotta get back in and watch Mr. Dolan. But um, I appreciate you coming on. If live, well, hey, it's my pleasure. And and if you all see B.
2: Dolan live, he kills it. And your new record. Is out right now yeah, yeah it's yeah. out now you can get it it's it's called so our egos don't kill us it's cast One versus figure it's on strange famous records, and uh you can look that shit
0: up on youtube too yeah they got the, they got the single up we're trying to it's go awesome.
2: diamond like yeah. so yeah, so it'll be like the marshall Mathers l p with yeah, this one right, so if I can get a million million how many Spotify how many is, is that ten million <laughs>
0: I don't I don't I don't know. We'll my, go 10 million. I'm I'm yeah. comfortable with that number. I run a very very <laughs> very 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 indie label. Hey. Yes yesterday pass. I went and got my taxes done by a new tax person and and she was like you you realize the kind of loss that you just took. Oh so man. And I was like Look lady, I've been doing this since 2005. <laughs> like I I know I don't make a profitable kind of music. I understand what this is. She's like, "Yeah, but this is like this isn't, like, a hobby, right? I'm like, I put out 115 <laughs> albums. Like, no, it's not a hobby. She's like, oh, okay, all right. Have like, you, how like, many not, albums I'm have not you mad. put out? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, I've released 116. Really? Yeah. God. I mean, not, like, all me, myself, rapping. Right, but right. But, like, you know, things that I recorded on or played no, on. No, that's or, huge. Or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh... I know the creative part really well. I don't know the business part very well. I'm still figuring that out. I don't huh. know how to live and do what we do, but hey, I'm trying. Dude, when you when
2: you're when you're done, like all of those 116 records are going to make you rich one day.
0: Back catalog, man. All
2: you got to do is sell one <laughs> copy of
0: each, and you yeah. yeah. There you go. Ten bucks a pop. Sign up. You're rich. Now we're going to go inside and watch B. Dolan. Rap, rap life. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, man. Enjoy the tour. Strange, famous. That is our show. Thank you for listening. I'm going to leave you with a brand new song from Cast One vs. Figure. The whole new record is great. It's great to finally meet him in person. It's great to catch up with print, talk about a different kind of creativity and how to challenge ourselves as artists who have been doing this for a long time. If you like the show, please subscribe to it. Share it with your friends. Give me a good rating. Go on iTunes, give me a rating. Write a review. i will to leave you with a track off the new cast one versus figure. The song is called Murder Media.
3: Watch the world blow up while I pull a slow cut, but no fucks. This is not a status update. Rate me while they rate a set of resource. Reports say we need more. Feed me Seymour. Why these fucking eors cover cars in their arms? Five alarms to the five o'clock Give a new spot to a new thought And they rock a vote to a rock a quote This fuck is out of hope on the outer ropes I need a smoke to choke that shit about my head Meditate on media to fill the brain dead Walkers learn to be talkers Send them offers Tabloids and TV watchers Ugh Police will shoot you dead and we will argue politics Like a tragedy deserves to learn the sides of your dick Enough to make me sick, enough the scare an epidemic We are all hashtags and that's just the beginning Let's go Kill em all, kill em all, kill em all You're only strong as your motherfucking cause Kill em all, kill em all, kill em all You're only strong as that motherfucking cause Kill em all, kill em all, kill em all You're only strong as that motherfucking cause Kill em all, kill em all doesn't matter what you saw, blood is splattered on the wall A seven-nation army couldn't hold the water in the bucket And now a Trumpet with Trumpets, sipping tea and crumpets. Motherfucking dick rubbing Republicans on that clickbait Tell me how that media dictates, what he dictate The lower class to copy-paste on that Nazi hate Tell our women how they feel about rape Tell our babies at the climate say, OK, that straight face need a straight jacket. What's cracking? What's the action to the tragedy? Tell me what to beat and when to give a good golly fuck. Keep me looking left and right and never looking up. Headlines making lines in my forehead. Give me more dead, Murder, murder, everything you read. What a murder for the cause and hashtag the internet. Dynamite the cigarettes and blow it all to pieces. Preying on black lives to white Jesus. Kill 'em all, kill em all, kill em all you only strong as your motherfucking cause. Kill em all, kill em all, kill em all You're only strong as your motherfucking cause. Kill em all, kill em all, kill em all You're only strong as your motherfucking cause. Kill em all, kill em all, kill em all Doesn't matter what you saw, blood is sweater That's what everyone wants, that's what the competition wants. And we're trying to beat out the other networks to get that
2: perfect murder story.